Chapter Eight, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Four, by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Victims of Misplaced Confidence continued. Madame de Fermont, fearing that he might return and seeing that the lock was broken, dragged the table across the room in order to barricade it. Claire had been so alarmed, so agitated at this horrible scene that she had fallen on her bed almost senseless and overcome by a nervous attack her mother forgetting her own fears ran to her embraced her gave her a little water to drink and by her caresses and attentions revived her calm yourself don't be alarmed my dearest child this wicked man has gone then the unfortunate mother exclaimed in a tone of indescribable indignation and grief and it is that notary who is the first cause of all our sufferings Claire looked about her with as much astonishment as fear. "'Take courage, my child,' said Madame de Fermont, embracing her tenderly. "'The wretch has gone.' "'Oh, mamma, if he should come back again! You see, though you cried so loud for help, no one came. Oh, pray, let us leave this house, or I shall die with fear. How you tremble! You are quite in a fever.' "'No, no,' said the young girl, to reassure her mother. "'It is nothing, only fright, and that will soon pass away.' and you how do you feel give me your hands oh how they burn it is indeed you who are suffering and you who try to conceal it from me don't think so i feel better than i did it is only the fright that man caused me which makes me so i was sleeping soundly in my chair and only awoke when you did yet mamma your poor eyes look so red and inflamed why you see my dear one does not sleep so refreshingly in a chair and you really do not suffer no no i assure you and you nor i either i only tremble with fear pray mamma let us leave this house and where shall we go to you know what trouble we had to find this miserable chamber for unfortunately we have no papers and besides we have paid a fortnight in advance they will not return our money and we have so very very little left that we must take all possible care of it perhaps m de saint-remy will answer you in a day or two i cannot hope for that it is so long since i wrote to him he cannot have received your letter why did you not write to him again from here to angers is not so far and we should soon have his answer my poor child you know how much that has cost me already but there's no risk and he is so good in spite of his roughness wasn't he one of the oldest friends of my father and then he is a relation of ours but he is poor himself his fortune is very small perhaps he does not reply to us that he may avoid the pain of a refusal but he may not have received your letter mamma and if he has received it my dear one of two things either he is himself in too painful a position to come to our aid or he feels no interest in us what then is the use of exposing ourselves to refusal or humiliation come come courage mamma we have still a hope left perhaps this very morning will bring us a kind answer from m d'orbigny yes the letter of which you had made me the rough copy was so simple and touching it showed our miserable condition so naturally that he will have pity on us really i don't know why but something tells me you are wrong to despair of him he has so little motive for taking any interest in us it is true he formerly knew your father and i have often heard my poor brother speak of m d'orbigny as a man with whom he was on good terms before the latter left paris to retire into the country with his young wife 
it is that which makes me hope he has a young wife and she will be compassionate and then in the country one can do so much good he will take you i should think as a housekeeper and i could work in the needle-room then m d'orbigny is very rich and in a great house there is always so much to do yes but we have so little claim on his kind interest we are so unfortunate it is true that is a claim in the eyes of charitably disposed persons let us hope that m d'orbigny and his wife are so then if we do not have any or an unfavourable answer from him i will overcome my false shame and write to the duchesse de lucenay the lady of whom m de saint-remy has spoken so often and whose kindness and generosity he so much praised the same daughter of the prince de noirmont he knew her when she was very young and treated her almost always as if she were his own child for he was on terms of the closest intimacy with the prince madame de lucenay must have many acquaintances and no doubt could easily find situations for us no doubt mamma but i understand your delicacy you do not know her whilst at least my father and my uncle both knew a little of m d'orbigny well but in case madame de lucenay cannot do anything for us i have still another resource what is that mamma a very poor one a very weak hope perhaps but why should i not try it m de saint-remy's son is has m de saint-remy a son exclaimed claire interrupting her mother with great astonishment yes my dear he has a son yet he never spoke of him when he used to come to angers true and for reasons which you cannot understand m de saint-remy having quitted paris fifteen years ago has not seen his son since that period fifteen years without seeing his father is that possible alas yes as you see the son of m saint-remy being very much sought after in society and very rich very rich whilst his father is poor all young m de saint-remy's wealth came from his mother what of that how could he leave his father his father would not accept anything from him why that is a question to which i cannot reply my dear child but i have heard it said by my poor brother that this young man was reputed vastly generous young and generous he ought to be good learning from me that my husband had been his father's intimate friend perhaps he will interest himself in trying to find us work or employment he has such high and extensive connections that this would be no trouble to him and then perhaps too we could learn from him if m de saint-remy his father had not quitted angers before you wrote to him that would account for his silence i think my dear that m de saint-remy has not kept up any connection with still we cannot but try unless m d'orbigny replies to you favourably and i repeat i don't know why but i have hopes in spite of myself it is now many days my dear since i wrote to him telling him all the causes of our misfortunes and yet to this time we have no reply none a letter put in the post before four o'clock in the evening reaches aubier next morning and thus we might have had his answer five days ago perhaps before he replies he is considering in what way he can best be useful to us may heaven hear thee my child it appears to me plain enough mamma if he could not do anything for us he could have written at once and said so unless he will do nothing oh mamma is that possible to refuse to answer us and leave us in hope for four days eight days perhaps for when one is miserable we always hope alas my child 
there is sometimes so much indifference for the miseries persons have never known but your letter my letter cannot give him any idea of our actual disquietude our constant sufferings my letter will not depict to him our unhappy life our constant humiliations our existence in this horrid house the fright we have but this instant experienced my letter will not describe the horrible future which is in store for us if but my love do not let us talk of that you tremble you are cold no mamma don't mind me but tell me suppose all fails us the little money we have in the box is spent is it possible that in a city as rich as paris we shall both die of hunger and misery for want of work and because a wicked man has taken from you all you had in the world oh be silent my unfortunate child but really mamma is it possible alas but god who knows all who can do all will he abandon us who have never offended him i entreat you my dearest girl do not give way to these distressing ideas i would prefer seeing you hope without great reason either come come comfort me rather with your consoling ideas i am but too apt to be discouraged as you well know yes yes let us hope that is best no doubt the porter's nephew will return to-day from the poste restante with a letter another errand to pay out of your little stock and through my fault if i had not been so weak yesterday and to-day we should have gone to the post-office ourselves as we did the day before yesterday but you will not leave me here alone and go yourself how could i my dear only think just now that horrid man who burst open the door suppose you had been alone oh mamma pray don't talk of it it quite frightens me only to think of it at this moment some one knocked suddenly at the door heaven it is he again exclaimed madame de fermont still under her first fears and she pushed the table against the door with all her strength her fears ceased when she heard the voice of father micou madame my nephew andre has come from the poste restante he has brought a letter with an x and a z it comes a long way there are eight sous for postage and commission makes twenty sous mamma a letter from the country we are saved it is from monsieur de saint-remy or monsieur d'orbigny poor mother you will not suffer any more you will no longer be uneasy about me you will be so happy god is just god is good exclaimed the young girl and a ray of hope lighted up her mild and lovely face oh sir thank you give it to me quickly said madame de fermont moving the table as well as she could and half opening the door twenty sous said the man giving her the anxiously desired letter i will pay you sir oh madame there's no hurry i am going up higher in ten minutes i shall be down again and can call for the money as i pass the letter is from normandy with the postmark of les aubiers it is from madame d'orbigny exclaimed madame de fermont examining the address to madame x z poste restante à paris well mamma am i right oh how my heart beats our good or bad fate is in it said madame de fermont and twice her trembling hand was extended to break the seal she had not the courage how can we describe the terrible agony to which they are a prey who like madame de fermont expect a letter which brings them either hope or despair the burning fevered excitement of the player whose last pieces of gold are hazarded on a card and who breathless with inflamed eye awaits for a decisive cast which brings his ruin or his fortune this emotion violent as it is 
may perhaps give some idea of the painful anguish of which we speak in a second the soul is elevated to the most radiant hope or relapses into the most mortal discouragement according as he hopes to be aided or fears to be refused the unhappy wretch suffers in turn emotions of a most contrary nature unutterable feelings of happiness and gratitude to the generous heart which pities his miserable condition bitter and intense resentment against selfish indifference when it is a question of deserving sufferers those who give often would perhaps give always and those who always refuse would perhaps give frequently if they knew or saw that the hope of benevolent aid or the fear of a haughty refusal that their decision indeed can incite all that is distressing or encouraging in the hearts of their petitioners what weakness said madame de fermont with a deep sigh seating herself by her daughter once again my poor claire our destiny is in this envelope i burn with anxiety to know its contents and yet i dare not read it if it be a refusal alas it will be soon enough and if it be a promise of assistance then mamma if this poor little letter contain consoling words which shall assure us for the future by promising us a humble employment in the establishment of m d'orbigny every moment lost is a moment of happiness lost is it not yes my love but on the other hand no mamma you are mistaken i told you that m d'orbigny had only delayed so long that he might mention something certain to you let me see the letter mamma i am sure i can guess if it is good or bad by the writing and i am sure said claire looking at the letter that it is a kind and generous hand accustomed to execute benevolence towards those who suffer i entreat you claire not to give way to vain hopes for if you do i shall not have the courage to open the letter my dear mother without opening it i can tell you almost word for word what it contains listen madame your fate and that of your daughter are so worthy of interest that i beg you will come to me in case you should like to undertake the superintendence of my house pray my dearest i beseech you do not give way to vain hopes the disappointment would be terrible said madame de fermont taking the letter come dear mamma said claire smiling and excited by one of those feelings of certainty so natural to her age give me the letter i have courage to read it no said madame de fermont i will read it it is from the comtesse d'orbigny so much the better replied claire we shall see and madame de fermont read as follows in a trembling voice madame monsieur de comte d'orbigny who has been a great invalid for some time could not reply to you during my absence you see mamma it was no one's fault listen listen on arriving from paris this morning i hasten to write to you madame after having discussed your letter with monsieur d'orbigny he recollects but very indistinctly the intimacy you allude to as having subsisted between him and your brother as to the name of your husband madame it is not unknown to m d'orbigny but he cannot recall to mind under what circumstances he has heard it the spoliation of which you so unhesitatingly accuse m jacques ferrand whom we have the happiness to call our solicitor is in the eyes of m d'orbigny a cruel calumny whose effects you have by no means calculated upon my husband as well as myself madame know and admire the extreme probity of the respectable and pious individual whom you so blindly assail and i am compelled to tell you madame that m d'orbigny whilst he regrets the painful situation in which you are placed and the real cause of which it is not his business to find out feels it impossible to afford you the assistance requested except madame with the expression of m d'orbigny's regrets 
my best compliments comtesse d'orbigny the mother and daughter looked at each other perfectly stupefied and incapable of uttering a word father micou rapped at the door and said madame may i come in for the postage and commission it's twenty sous ah true such good news is worth a sum on which we exist for two days said madame de fermont with a bitter smile laying the letter down on her daughter's bed and going towards an old trunk without a lock to which she stooped down and opened we are robbed exclaimed the unhappy woman with alarm nothing not a sou left she added in a mournful voice and overwhelmed she supported herself on the trunk what do you say mamma the bag with the money in it but madame de fermont rising suddenly opened the room door and addressing the receiver who was on the landing-place sir she said whilst her eyes sparkled and her cheeks were flushed with indignation and alarm i had a bag of silver in this trunk it was stolen from me no doubt the day before yesterday when i went out for an hour with my daughter the money must be restored i tell you you are responsible for it you've been robbed that's false i know my house is respectable said the fellow in an insolent and brutal tone you only say that in order not to pay me my postage and commission i tell you sir that this money was all i possessed in the world it has been stolen from me and i must have it found and restored or i will lodge an information oh i will conceal nothing i will respect nothing i tell you very fine indeed you who have got no papers go and lay your information go at once why don't you i defy you i do the wretched woman was thunderstruck she could not go out and leave her daughter alone confined to her bed as she was by the fright the gros boiteux had occasioned her in the morning and particularly after the threats with which the receiver of stolen goods had menaced her he added this is a fudge you'd as much a bag of silver there as a bag of gold will you pay me for the letter will you or won't you well it's just the same to me when you go by my door i'll snatch off your old black shawl from your shoulders it's a precious shabby one but i dare say i can make twenty sous out of it oh sir exclaimed madame de fermont bursting into tears i beseech you to have pity upon us this small sum is all we possess my daughter and i and that's stolen we have nothing left nothing i say nothing but to die of starvation what can i do if it's true that you have been robbed and of silver too which appears to me very unlikely why the silver has been melted long since rely on it mon dieu mon dieu the chap who did the trick was not so soft to rely on it as to mark the pieces and keep em here to lead to his own detection supposing it's any one in the house which i don't believe for as i was saying this morning to the uncle of the lady on the first floor this is really a village if any one has robbed you it is a pity you may lay a hundred informations but you won't recover a centime you won't do any good by that i tell you and you may believe me well but i say exclaimed the receiver stopping short and seeing madame de fermont stagger what's the matter how pale you are mademoiselle your mother's taken ill added micou just advancing in time to catch the unhappy mother who overcome by this last shock felt her senses forsake her the forced energy which had supported her so long failed before this fresh blow mother dear oh what ails you exclaimed claire still in her bed the receiver still vigorous in spite of his fifty years seized with a momentary feeling of pity took madame de fermont in his arms 
pushed the door open with his knee and entering the chamber said your pardon mademoiselle for entering whilst you are in bed but i was obliged to bring in your mother she has fainted but it won't last long on seeing the man enter claire shrieked loudly and the unhappy girl hid herself as well as she could under the bedclothes the huckster seated madame de fermont in a chair beside the bed and then went out leaving the door ajar for the gros boiteux had broken the lock one hour after this last shock the violent malady which had so long hung over and threatened madame de fermont had developed itself a prey to a burning fever into fearful delirium the unhappy woman was placed beside her daughter who horror-struck aghast alone and almost as ill as her mother had neither money nor recourse and was in agony of fear every moment lest the ruffian who lodged on the same floor should enter the apartment End of chapter eight read by celine major